so that we can more effectively share him with family and friends and in community. We looked at the importance of being a reconciled church, the importance of being a committed church, and today we're looking at the importance of being a studying people, a studying church. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we pause to thank you for what we've already experienced with you and one another during this time of worship and fellowship together. How good it is for us to sit together in heavenly places, even here in this place. And realizing the importance of what we're about to look at from your word today, I'm offering myself as a vessel, a fresh and new into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. And please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your design purpose, might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. Within the Christian church, there is a very unique paradox taking place concerning study. There are some members of the Christian church who are placing a lot of emphasis on individual study. And sadly, there are others who seem to be quite content to allow other individuals or other groups to do their studying for them. And somehow, Satan has succeeded in convincing a part of the Church of Jesus Christ that because God included the words of Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 12 in the Bible, there is now a legitimate excuse to excuse oneself from deep reading and study. I read from the pen of the wise man, and further by these my son be admonished, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Now, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have been as guilty as I have been you sit down in your favorite easy chair. Maybe you lay on the sofa or stretched across the bed. Open the Bible, intending to spend some quality time in deep reading and study. And before you realize what had happened, you had gone to sleep. Now, you didn't raise your hands, but some of you are smiling. Indeed... As the wise man said, much study is a weariness of the flesh. But I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that Heavenly Father is desirous for a revival to transpire in the body of Jesus Christ. And a part of this revival is that each of us possess what I call the AUG degree. The AUG degree is a special degree awarded to special people. Not special because of who they are, but special because 
of whose they are. A special degree awarded to special people who are taught by a special teacher, and that being God's Holy Spirit himself. So, Pastor Dan, what is the AUG degree? It is a special degree, a special diploma that is available to every one of us individually and to all of us collectively as we follow the example of the Bereans. It is true that the Bible teaches that with Heavenly Father there is no respect of persons. And aren't you thankful for that? But having said that, it's also true that it is possible for one person or one group to be more noble in the sight of God and bear a testimony of nobility among others than it is for some people. And this nobility is based on our willingness to study God's Word. Look at Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11. These, talking about those in Berea, and these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. And as if someone is about to ask, well, what was it that contributed to their nobility? Notice, and these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word, talking about the word of God, with all readiness of mind. And search the scriptures how often? One more time, how often? One more time, how often? And search the scriptures daily. And why did they search the scriptures daily? To find out whether those things were so that they had heard, preached, and taught unto them. Listen to me very carefully. You and I are never to accept something just because it sounds good. You and I must never accept something just because it was written in a book by a noted author. Now, I like people to read books. I like people to read my books. I've written about 14 books. I like for people to read my wife's book. She's written four books and she's working on another one. But my brothers and sisters, you and I must never accept something just because somebody wrote it in a book. And we must not accept something just because it was spoken by a popular radio or television personality. Listen to me. Everything we hear, everything we see, everything we feel must be analyzed on the basis of God's Word and what He says on that subject. You see, this book has outlived its critics. This book has survived the collapse of civilizations. This book has outlasted other books of high religious merit and content. This book has defeated its enemies. However, worse than the attack of its enemies is the neglect of its friends. Every Christian needs to know what the Bible says. And every local church needs members 
who are well informed on God's canon of infallible truth. So, Pastor Dan, what is the AUG degree? The AUG degree that God longs to bestow upon each of us. What is the AUG degree? It's revealed in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. Paul was writing to his son in the faith, and notice what he said to Timothy. Timothy, study to show thyself A-U-G, approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. My brothers and sisters, if you and I desire to be approved unto God, we must apply ourselves to the study of God's Word. And this study may be hard at times. It may be difficult, but there is a lot at stake. I have a lot of degrees after my name, of which I am very proud, because it took me a number of years to attain to my academic standing. I have a bachelor's degree in theology. I have a master's degree in theology. I have a doctorate degree in theology, but the degree for which I most aspire is my AUG degree. Because you and I can go to heaven without knowing all there is to know about computer science. We can go to heaven without being able to list all of the geographical locations on planet Earth. We can go to heaven without being able to recount all of the events in history. But my brothers and sisters, we will never make it to heaven until and unless we are approved unto God. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to Heavenly Father saying to me one day, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You see, God is in search of men. God is in search of women. And God is in search of young people in our generation who are not ashamed to place every teaching to the acid test and rightly divide the word of truth. You see, we base not on tradition. We base not on philosophy. We base not on preconceived ideas. We base our faith on a plain thus saith the Lord. Now, according to many of the signs relative to the welfare of the Christian church today, there are some who are broadcasting and declaring that the church is beyond help. I do not accept that for one moment. We are in trouble as a Christian world, but we are not beyond help. Because Heavenly Father has not given up on you and He's not given up on me. And God has given to us what I call a prescription that will produce life and health. And this prescription is found in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, before I read the passage, I want you to listen to what one of my favorite writers penned in the book Testimonies for the Church, Volume 8, pages 169 and 170. She penned, 
the question is often asked. What is the cause of the dearth or the lack of spiritual power in the church? You ever ask yourself that question? If ask anyone else that question, had someone asked you that question, why is there a lack of spiritual power in the church? The answer comes, the members allow their minds to be drawn away from the Word of God. We are built up physically from that which we eat, and in like manner, the character of our spirituality is determined by the food given to the mind. Someone much wiser than I either penned or said, we are what we eat. Now, I spent about two hours yesterday afternoon, late and early evening, in cooking. And I hope you stay for the fellowship lunch because I brought two dishes of my world-famous vegetarian meatless meatloaf. You do not want to miss getting some of that. But as much as we enjoy physical food, my brothers and sisters, we should be craving even more spiritual food because our physical bodies are what we eat physically and our spiritual bodies are what we impregnate into our minds and into our hearts. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse number 20. Now the wise man is writing to his son, but Heavenly Father is also saying to you and I as his children, my son, Attend to my words, or pay attention. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. And as if someone is about to ask, well, why is it so important that we follow this prescription? Underscore for the rest of your life and living, verse number 22, for they, my words, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. <laughs> Is there anybody else here besides me that wants life? Is there anybody else here besides me that wants health to all your flesh? Well, this is a prescription I'm about to share with you for life and for health. So what is the prescription? The prescription is paying attention to God's Word. And there are three ways that we pay attention to the Word of the Lord if we want to experience scriptural, spiritual success. Number one, we pay attention to God's Word by inclining the ear to God's saying. Verse number 20. Now, in this aspect of the prescription, he is dealing with the audio makeup of we as individuals and as a group collectively. And what God is saying to you and what God is saying to me is, we need to listen to his sayings with a spiritual ear. The Lord dealt with this principle on a number of occasions 
But I'm going to share one passage with you from the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 23 and the 8th part of verse 24. Jesus was resounding to that generation, and God's Spirit is saying to ours, If any man, if any woman, if any young person have ears to hear, let him hear. And Jesus said unto them, Take heed what you hear. With so many voices clamoring for our attention, it is extremely important that we take heed to what we listen and also to whom we listen. In the last book of the Bible, it was very interesting for me to notice a number of years ago when, and I was, when I was working on my doctoral dissertation on end time prophecy, it was very interesting for me to discover that Jesus concluded each of those seven messages to those seven local churches that represented the seven church ages that would exist from the resurrection until the second coming with the very same words. Look at Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 7. To the church at Ephesus, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church, or churches. And then to each of the other six churches, he concludes with the very same way. Verse 11, verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3, verse 6, verse 13, verse 22. And so the same message Jesus gave to the church at Ephesus, Jesus is giving to the church of Laodicea, that him that hath ears hear, what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Question. Do you remember what got Adam and Eve in trouble? Do you remember? As long as they listened to the voice of God, they were saved. But as soon as they began to listen to the voice of the devil, what happened? They got in trouble and they failed. My brothers and sisters, what we hear and to whom we listen is so important because my Bible is very plain to instruct that faith cometh by how? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing how? And hearing by the Word of God. So if you and I want faith operating in our lives, we need to listen. And to what do we need to listen? We need to listen to what God says in his word through his Holy Spirit. The second way we pay attention to God's word, back in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 21, is by not letting God's word depart from the eyes. Now, in this aspect of the prescription, he is dealing with the visual makeup of we as individuals and as a group. He's dealt with the audio makeup, and now he's dealing with the visual makeup. There is a basic spiritual law that goes like this. Whatever the eye dwells upon, we will become. Are you listening to me? If our eye dwells upon darkness, we will become dark. If our eye dwells upon light, we will become more enlightened. We have been told 
as Seventy Adventist Christians that by beholding we are what? By beholding we are changed. And every one of us right now are being changed. We are being changed more into the glory of God or we are being changed to move away from more of the glory of God. And so the visual part of we as individuals and the visual part of we as the Christian church must be constantly trained on and turned toward the Savior of the Scriptures. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Not too long after I became a Christian at the age of 15, I was reading through the Gospels as part of my daily devotions. And I must confess to you that I read a statement Jesus made that caused me great concern. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. Listen what flowed from the gracious lips of our Savior. The light of the body is the eye. May I read that again? The light of your body and the light of my body is the eye. May I read it one more time? The light of the body is the eye. And then Jesus continued, If therefore thine eye be single, talking about to the glory of God, thy whole body shall be full of light. <laughs> is there anybody else here besides me that wants your entire body to be full of light? That's God's desire for you, and, and that's God's desire for me. And I must confess to you that for some time, I did not understand what Jesus was saying. But one Sunday morning, in that little Pentecostal church, where I grew up in Augusta, Georgia, my Sunday school teacher made a statement that I have never forgotten. She looked at us and said, boys and girls, if you ever read anything in the Bible that you don't understand, keep reading. Because God's Word will explain itself. I have access to a lot of commentaries, and I refer to a lot of commentaries. But my favorite commentary in the Bible is this book right here. If ever we read something in the Bible we don't understand, keep reading because eventually we will discover from God's Word itself the answer. And so I followed her advice and counsel and kept reading. One day I was reading in Psalm 119 and I discovered the solution to my dilemma. It's found in Psalm 119 in verse 130. David is communing with Heavenly Father in prayer. And I want you to listen to what David said in pen. God, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. And I can still remember I was sitting down reading, and when I read that, I jumped to my feet because it spoke to me because basically I am a very simple man 
In fact, some people believe I'm actually simple-minded. But that's all right. I'm about to tell you a story, and I don't cherish sharing this with you. Because I have come to believe already that some of you believe I'm a pretty smart fella. Now, some of you are still wondering, and you're still questioning. So I, I hesitate to share this story with you because it's going to be reflection on my simplicity. Shortly after Rebecca and I married, we went shopping for bedroom furniture. And we went to this one store, had one floor, just beds, nothing else. No dressers, no bureaus, just beds. And as we're walking, looking at these beds, all of a sudden it dawns on me that they're all short. They're about 18 to 24 inches long. And so finally the salesperson came over to me and he asked, may I help you? And I said, yes, sir, you sure can. Do you have any beds that are bigger than these? And when I asked that question, I thought Rebecca was going to crawl in beneath one of those little beds. And he started to laugh. And after he had his fill of laughter, he said, Sir, don't you understand what's going on here? And I shook my head, no. And he said, Sir, we have so many different styles and types of beds. What we've done, we've just taken a short section and put them between the headboard and the footboard to show you what they would look like. And when he said that, I felt like crawling beneath one of those little beds. I am a very simple-minded man. But David said, God, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple, yea, even Danny Gerard. And if there's hope for me, as simple-minded as I am, and as intelligent as all of you people are, there is a lot of hope for you. God's Word giveth light. Now the devil is a master of deception. And the devil is not choosy how he gets our eyesight away from the vision of the Christ of the Scriptures. One of the songs that I learned when I was growing up in the Pentecostal church went like this. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a Father up above who is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Third way we pay attention to God's Word, back in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 21, is keeping God's Word in the heart. He's dealt with the audio makeup. He's dealt with the visual makeup. And now he's dealing with the kinesthetic, or the emotional feeling makeup of we as individuals and as a group. Hundreds of years ago, an anointed servant of the Lord penned these words in Psalm 119 and verse 11. Again, David is talking to God, and he says, God, 
thy word have I hid in my heart. And almost as if someone may have been listening to the prayer that David was praying and about to ask, well, David, why is this so important that we hide God's word in our heart? David continues, God, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Have you ever wondered why David was a man after God's own heart? That's what the Bible says. He was a man after God's own heart. Have you ever wondered why? This is one of the reasons. David was a man after God's own heart because David hid God's word in his heart so that he might not sin against Heavenly Father. One of the most vivid expressions of what it's going to take for you and I to finish our course with victory and enter into eternity with the blood of the Lamb covering our souls was spoken by Jesus in that first recorded sermon, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How can our hearts be kept pure? We just read Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. How can our hearts be kept pure? Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And as if someone is about to ask, well, why is this so important? Why did Jesus love the church so much that he gave himself to die for the church? Underscore for the rest of your life and living, verse number 26. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it. And what is the process through which Christ sanctifies and cleanses us? Look at it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Listen to me carefully. Just as every day you and I come in contact with physical dirt and germs. Even so, on our journey from earth to glory, we come in contact with things that can add spiritual dirt and germs in our lives. And just as it is important for our physical bodies to rid itself of dirt and germs, even so, it is important for us to allow the washing of the Word to cleanse our spiritual hearts and minds. You see, indeed, the Word of God is life. And the Word of God is health to those who will follow the encouragement found in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word. And why? 
that we may grow thereby. My brothers and sisters, so as to hear with our spiritual ears, so as to see with our spiritual eyes, so as to feel with our spiritual hearts the importance of God's prescription for life and health in the closing hours of our pilgrimage before Jesus returns. We need to daily rejoice in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 23, and going through verse number 3 of chapter 2. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's exciting. That's so exciting to me, I think I will say hallelujah about now. Hallelujah. Look at it. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Heaven and earth, Jesus said, shall pass away, but my word shall last. How long? Forever. Look at it. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, the spaces, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let me ask you a question. How long has it been, as we say in my part of Georgia, how long has it been since you read God's word and just licked your chops? When you read God's Word, mmm, is it good? Mmm, is it better than good? Mmm, is it delicious and gracious? That's how God would have us to approach His work. He wants us to be a study. Father God, Thank you for men and women and young people down to the ages who have tasted your word and have concluded that it is gracious. Like David said, it's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Oh Lord, you know our study habits. So right where we are, impress upon us the importance of becoming more and more and more a people of the book, a people of the blessed scriptures that you have communicated so that we might have life and health 
through all our flesh. Because this prayer we pray and phrases of commitment we make in the name of Jesus, the Word Himself, who became flesh and lived among us. Amen. I invite you to stand together and blend our voices, number 272. 272, give me the Bible. that your word is a lamp and a light 
to give us direction all the way from here to that better place that Jesus has prepared for us. And as we leave this sanctuary, help us to be ever mindful that you give a stern warning about adding to or taking away from your word. In Jesus' name, amen.